Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom nettings for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, overhead netting, barrier netting, sideline netting, golf course netting, and much more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals continues to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. I'm your host, Chris Toppings. Today with us, we have Chris Ball, formerly with the minor league in minor league baseball with the Atlanta Braves. And now he is market development manager for Turfus Athletics. Is that correct, Chris? Yep, that's it. Market development manager for the Southeast uh, for Turfus, for the profile for Turfus. Yep. Oh, great. So introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, well, again, man, thanks. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, you know, we're, you and I are practically neighbors. I know we, we caught up a minute before we, uh, we, we went live here. Uh, but we're, we're both, uh, Eastern North Carolinians and avid fishermen and duck hunters. And, and, uh, so my name's Chris Ball. Uh, a lot of people come know me as, uh, by my nickname, which is butter. Uh, I'm from Greenville, North Carolina. Um, I, uh, I spent 20 some odd seasons in minor league baseball. Um, and you know, a lot of those were with the Atlanta Braves and I got out about, uh, four or three, four years ago and started working, um, with Southern athletic fields based out of Tennessee and, uh, profile or, or the company that owns Turfus actually bought us, um, a couple years ago. And they have, uh, they have found that I, I'm, I best suit the company traveling around the Southeast to uh, all the major universities and, and, um, and pro parks and things like that uh, as kind of a kind of developing our relationships with people and, you know, troubleshooting and, you know, seeing, seeing what we can do to help you guys. But again, um, thanks for having me on here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, uh, you know, we've heard where you, where you're from, you know, we're practically neighbors. Um, and you're currently back in Eastern North Carolina, is that correct? Yes, I am. I am. I spent, uh, so just to kind of give you a little bit of my background, I went to uh, UNC Greensboro. Uh, I, I, I went to Rose High here in Greenville. Um, went to UNC Greensboro right after graduation in 1994 and uh, was gone. You know, had no plans on coming back to Greenville. Wanted to see where the, where the, where the wind took me. Um, I ended up... Uh, we did not play. I went to I went to school to play baseball uh, at UNCG, and it it just didn't work for me. Um, I, I stayed with the program though to keep a, a little bit of scholarship money. I was a student assistant, or now you'd even call it like the director of baseball operations. And uh, so we we played. It's kind of how I got into to to fields. We played 
uh, our home games at War Memorial Stadium at that point in time, which was the oldest minor league park in existence, um, you know, in, in downtown Greensboro. And we practiced at Grimsley High School. So part of my responsibility was to go help the coaching staff get the, get the practice field and the game field ready to play. And I, I really, really enjoyed going over to War Memorial Stadium. Uh, at that point, Mel Lanford uh, was the head groundskeeper there. And it got to a point where Mel would just throw me the keys on Friday and say, have at it. Um, you know, you can cut it, you can drag it, you can water it, you can line it, get it ready for the ball games. And, you know, I really didn't think anything of it. Uh, our senior year, we ended up building the stadium on campus. And um, I had, a, I, I was, I was going to go to grad school. I was going to grad school for uh, uh, my, my degree is I don't, I do not have a turf degree. Let me start by saying that. Uh, like I said, I was going to go to grad. Uh, my degree is in um, public administration with a concentration in recreation and parks administration. So I was going to go to grad school for, uh, I was going to get my master's in sports psychology and in um, uh, leisure services management. So I really didn't know what to do. The job at the stadium came open. It was a state job at that point in time. They were going to pay for six hours a semester of grad school. So I said, well, well, that's, you know, I, to take a, to take six hours of grad school classes and work full time um, for the for the for the state working at the new baseball facility. I'll give it a shot. Well, I fell in love with the day to day, uh, the day to day field management um, at the college level. I really did. Uh, we built a like I said, we built a brand new stadium that year. Uh, Chad Price with Carolina Green built it. It was incredible. Um, it's still, I think it's one of the most, one of the most picturesque little stadium in the, in the, in the state. Um, really, really neat facility. Matt Kirkman over there now does a great job. Um, in fact, I was over there a couple weeks ago, but anyway, so I stayed there and I kind of, I kind of grew a little tired of Greensboro. I'd been there since 94. This was like 2000. 2001 and I started and, and again Mel Lanford who I kind of consider one of my mentors um, and Jake Holloway who's at, at town of Cary now with USA Baseball working working with Jimmy um, Jake was in Greensboro working for Mel and I just said hey you know I said you guys think that I could I got to maybe I, I'm cut out for for working in pro ball and there weren't a whole a whole host of jobs open at that point in time and I, I talked to the guys in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, at that point in time, they were double A for the Expos. And they had a job open. And it, it didn't pay a whole lot, but it was kind of my foot in the door into minor league baseball. So I ended up going to Harrisburg and staying for two seasons. And, you know, really, really loved the, loved the ballpark and loved the, loved the pro side. I was just homesick, fish out of water. I mean, you know, Chris, as well as anybody, the salt air and the salt water and the, and the marsh and, and, and everything gets in your veins and you got to try to get back home. So I found a job and, and this, all of this is going to correlate into a, into a story or into a lesson about my, about my turf experience. So I ended up taking a, taking a job with a, a, a company, a, a turf and ornamental supply company based out of Greensboro. Uh, I was going to be their sports field specialist still. I didn't know anything about it. I knew how to, I knew the basics. I knew how to fix a mound. I knew how to, how to mow straight lines. I knew how to water, water and groom an infield. And that was about it. So not having a turf background, I kind of, I kind of knew a little bit about some control products and some fertilizer and irrigate just enough to be dangerous. Well, these guys hired me 
uh, to be their sports field guy out of Greensboro. And I got connected uh, with that company with uh, by Lambeth, uh, with, who's with Green Resources out of Colfax now. Bi was a golf rep, and Bi really took a lot of time and taught me a lot about fertilizer and how fertilizers work and how, you know, how fungicides work. And, and you know, and we had another guy that was an irrigation guru, and he kind of showed me all that, how valves work, you know, how you, you know, how you connect with PVC. We were going through a drought uh, in Greensboro in that period of time, so a lot of people were digging wells and installing irrigation systems for their yard and things like that, so I got to kind of work on work on some things with 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 that guy and you know that spent spending I spent about a year and a half with them and they uh they decided that they were going to absolve the position and go you know just strictly focus on homeowners and lawn care and then keep that keep that one golf position open so I ended up going to work for the city of Greensboro for about about six months and you know what I didn't know is when I was with a, with a, with a sales company, I was, I was developing some relationships within the industry and I had done a couple things with Nolan Thomas. I know he was one of your guests and I, I got to give Nolan Thomas a heck of a lot of credit for kind of getting me back into pro ball. Nolan called me one afternoon and said, Hey, we, we were, we were doing, I think that we were building, uh, he was building the softball field at UNC and we were supplying some clay or something for him. And he called me, he said, Hey, he said, you know, you get around, you know, a lot of people, you know, the, uh, there's a job, a minor league job in Myrtle beach that's open, put the word out for a week or so. You know, if you, if you know anybody, give me a shout, they're looking for a guy and Pat Coakley, Irish, uh, who, you know, who, he was there for a couple of years. He was, he got the job in Altoona. So he was moving back up to Pennsylvania, up North to Pennsylvania. So the job was open and I said, Nolan, I said, yeah, you know what? give me a week, you know, this was, I think this was a Thursday, a Wednesday or Thursday. I said, give me a week and, and, um, and let me call you back and I'll, I'll, I'll give you, some, you know, see if I can find some names for you. Hung up the phone. I'm a, I, I'm a big beer drinker. Everybody knows me. Cracked a Miller light, started thinking about who in the heck I could call that would want to go to Myrtle beach. Opened her. I said, you idiot. You need to talk to him about going to Myrtle Beach. You know, you, that, that'd be a great place for it would be a great place for me to go. A couple hours from my my folks living at the beach, living at the coast, uh, working for the Braves, the whole nine yards. So, um, anyway, so back to kind of the education piece from working at UNC Greensboro to working for the sales company to get my foot in the door in minor league baseball um, in Harrisburg. That was kind of my turf education you know, kind of thrown to the wolves and not and having to having to seek out, you know, seek out all these things were that, that was kind of my turf education. So anyway, to make a long story longer, get to Myrtle Beach. You know, it's the, the Braves organization was awesome. You and I were talking earlier. I got to see the, the baby Braves, if you will, kind of that resurgence of the entire Braves system in the early 2000s. Frank Coor and Hayward and uh, French, uh, um, Freddie Freeman and Brian McCann and Elvis Andrews and Julio, Julio Tehran. That, that whole group come through there was just awesome. But again, kind of back to the educational piece, Myrtle Beach is a home of golf, you know, in, in the Southeast. Some people call it home of golf in the, in the, in the country. So I surrounded myself, I, 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 by, by really, really good people 
Rebel Surfing Tractor was there, um, you know, to, to help us with all of our equipment. So I, I developed a relationship with Turner in a hurry. In tune, he got me hooked up with some really, really first-class golf course superintendents. Randy Allen, who was at, uh, with, with Burroughs and Chapin at that time at Grand Dunes. Brian Keck was at the Surf Club. Steve Hamilton, who was at the Dunes Club. Uh, you know, just all these superintendents that, that liked baseball. They were not afraid to help. Uh, got hooked up with the guys at Retech, another resource, because they, they, they have a golf and turf program. So by surrounding myself with those people, I gave myself a fighting chance. And that's kind of where it, it's morphed into today. From Myrtle Beach, I was there for 11 or 12 great seasons. Uh, I left right on the cusp of a, uh, of a field renovation. Um, went to Gwinnett. Uh, my, our, our GM, the GM that was in uh, Myrtle Beach, North Johnson, who was actually Tommy's, one of Tommy's bosses in Kinston when he was with the Indians. I actually did an internship with the Indians in 96 and 97, a front office internship. So again, my path crossed, crossed with Tommy again. Um, so North got the, took the GM job in, in Gwinnett and he was there for a season and then got me to persuaded me to come up there. And I had, uh, had seven, seven or eight really, really good years in Gwinnett. Uh, so that's kind of my, my turf lineage, my turf link, uh, without going to turf school into this, into this career. Yeah. And, now you're with uh, Profile Turfus. Um, what do you know? Give the listeners uh, what what kind of things. I mean, you touched on it briefly, but what kind of things they offer? Yeah. So basically, I mean, I think the 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 infield conditioner that that everybody is that it's synonymous. It's like the the Coca Cola product or the or the Kleenex brand. You know, they've been around the longest. And um, anyway, so I'm the market development manager for Turfus. Uh, for the southeast, um, go anywhere from uh, from Texas east. Uh, so so you know, Louis, I was just in Louisiana, Mississippi last week. So it's kind of Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, North and South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky uh, is kind of my coverage area. Uh, you know, and and you know the the network of individuals in in those states and in the southeast there are a lot of the people that i talked to uh, when i was in baseball have if, if i had problems um you know so my relationships have um you know a lot of the relationships were established in in those areas and now they're they're really starting to grow uh but it's my job to kind of come in and uh you know make sure we're doing the right things for you if you've got problems with product if you've got you know if you've got problems beyond uh, infield surfaces and, and conditioners. Um, I, I can come in and just be another sounding board for you. Uh, we also, we, we do um, wall padding and netting and windscreen, you know, like stadium beautification projects, things like that, that we can come in and help you with that, kind of design something. We can help design things. We can help, you know, rectify problems, um, you know, that, that you that you have that, that that with you know with padding or you know needing to pad something or, or needing to net something um so things like that and then we have a we have a full line of accessories from anything anything inside the confines of the field rakes bases rubbers um drag mats hoses nozzles the whole nine yards so basically a one-stop shop and if there's any you know I come in and if, if, you know, you say, well, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for this kind of rake that I saw, you know, at, 
at uh, that you had in Myrtle Beach. You know, the, you had the silver rake that a six foot. Oh yeah, oh, this was a you know thirty inch loop. They this tennis court rake, best mound rake we've ever. You know, just things like that, little things that I can help you with from my experience. Um, that's what they pay me to do. So it's 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 been a it's been a great experience thus far. And if I ever have to get back out on the field on a daily basis, you know, if they get rid of me in, you know, two days or a year or whatever it is, and I have to get back out on the field, meeting all you guys and meeting all these 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 uh, guys and girls all across the southeast is going to make me a better field manager down the road. So, um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of what I'm doing now, and I'm really enjoying it. I've got a 15 month old son, so or excuse me, 15 week old son. So the travel kind of stinks, but um, you know, we're, we're making do, we're making do. And, and I'll probably speak for everybody. I think that we're, we're kind of getting, getting tired of the zoom calls and the, and the conference calls and things like that. And it's, it's good to be getting back out on the road and seeing people face to face. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's what I was getting ready to ask you uh, during 2020. Um, how, how were things hindered from, from your aspect? Well, you know, it's funny. Today is March 9th, and I was actually having lunch with Jake Holloway in in Cary. Um, I think uh, I know Florida State was playing in the ACC tournament that morning when uh, when then Swaffer came out and stopped the game. And that's basically when the world shut down. And I can't remember if it was the the the, the 10th or the 11th. So almost 365 days ago, they they shut us, you know, and, and my company kind of followed suit. They shut us down, pulled us off the road. We had to get into these Zoom calls and these rings, you know, Ring Central, and you know, it, it was, it, it was, it's very, it's very, very diff- difficult when your, when your job relies on face-to-face communication, and you know, and and seeing and touching and doing and and you know, walk walking facilities and things like that. Um, you know, I'll say we may do. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the video conferences, the video chats did have did have their benefits uh, because you still kind of got to connect with people, even though it was just a way that we weren't we weren't really um, weren't weren't really a part of before this. Um, you know, it 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 also and and I've I've heard this from some you know some current field managers before. It 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 made people take a kind of a deeper look into how much time they actually spend at the stadium or at their facility uh, when they, when they can't and they're actually spending some time at home and, and, and realizing that there is a home life. Uh, So, you know, maybe you you take the positives out of that and, and people got to spend some time with their families and, you know, maybe reconnected with their kids or, or their relationships with their, um, you know, their significant others were, were either uh, either stretched a little bit, or it, they were they were good because they were home. They could they could have they could have a family meal together. They could do some things on a Saturday on a rogue Saturday in May. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think that's the way that that I approach the whole thing. And um, you know, fortunate that that I kept my job. Um, you know, because we, you know, we, we provide kind of a commodity service and uh, I'm, I'm fortunate that I kept my job and, and was able to, uh, I kind of started traveling a little bit back in a little bit, like in June and July. And I tried to make one, one trip. I kind of braved the, braved the airport. And, and uh, for those that could see me, uh, I, I tried to get out a little bit. So, yeah. and, you know, in where we are in North Carolina, we're, we're, we can get on 95 in a hurry and we can get on 40 or 85 in a hurry. And, we can be places, you know, in, in, in several hours. So, um, 
you know, so again, uh, started kind of opening back up really in October, November. That's kind of when I started, we started hitting it again and, and, uh, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't to go in and try to say, Hey, you know, you need this, you need that. Well, how's everything is, you know, you need an extra set of hands. We know you guys are short staffed. You know, can I, can I help you verify? Can I, you know, come in and mow? Can I help you drag? Can I, you know, do, do anything, you know, um, just to, just to kind of see people, see how they were doing. Let's go to, you know, Hey, let's go to dinner. Let's go have a beer or, you know, and I know like you, I look forward to that second week in November every year that we're all together in Myrtle beach. And I look yes. forward to that you know, second or third week in January when the nation and the world comes together uh, at the national show. Um, and I'm hoping that we're on the right path to get all back together uh, on all that. But um, that was tough in November. Um, boy, it would have been, a, it would have been a heck of a weekend too, because it would have been master Sunday. Yeah. I know. The Sunday before the show. So that, that would have been uh, that that would have been a fun, uh, a fun day or two, but anyway. Yeah, that I think everybody has had, you know, has seen some positives come out of last year and, you know, ready to get back to the normal for sure. Yeah, for sure. Looking back at your career, um, even to where you are now, can you think of a high and a low point? Um, but yeah, to mind? I, I'll probably start with the low. Um, probably now – Probably the, 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 I mean, I've got, I've got several things, but probably one of the, one of the worst situations that, um, that, that I, that I was put in, I put myself in. So this is probably a low point. I'd been in Myrtle Beach for two years and was still really, really learning kind of cultural practices, um, you know, how, how different living at the coast was as far as, as far as your turf goes. Um, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from this experience. Uh, I think, and I think, I think times have kind of changed. I, we used to overseed our, our field just super, super heavy. You know, I mean, I, I don't even know what the rate was and to get it out, this was, you know, this was kind of before the onset of revolver and monument. This is when you did, you know, you pretty much did everything manually. I, uh, we also had a thatch problem and I, you know, listen to some of the golf course guys, I decided that I wanted to, that I was going to verticut and verticut aggressively a week or two before our biggest, our biggest, biggest week of the year, which is the July 4th week. So I didn't have a verticut at that time. I borrowed one from the city. I think this was 2003 or four. I, so I borrowed one from the city. It was an old, old unit that had one setting and it was full go. It was either, it was either, it was either all or nothing. And I mean, I was, I was, if anybody knows Myrtle Beach, I was slinging stuff to Conway. <laughs> I, mean, I was slinging material to Conway. That's how aggressive, that's how aggressive. I well, know. my dad used to live in Conway, so I know exactly how far. Okay. All right. So it's, a, it's across the waterway. It's, you know, 10 miles, whatever, 15 miles. I was, I was slinging material to Conway. The weather forecast was great. It was awesome. You know, for, for the, for the foreseeable, you know, next six, eight, 10 days. We were going to be in the mid nineties and, you know, chance of thunderstorms, couple of days. All right, great. Murder cut it, throw some fertilizer on it. Just let it, let it be. We had some time off, so let it be. Well, we ended up having a front that came installed on us. So we didn't, we didn't crack, but about 75 
and did not see the sun for about five or six days. And mm. I, I, I lost about 50 or 60% of the field uh, just to cover the field. And July, July 4th, again, our capacity was like 6,500. We, we sold out before July 4th. So, uh, you know, that, that we, tickets were gone. So I, I, I was just, it was one of the lowest points in my career. I thought I was doing the right thing. I learned a lot from it. And in fact, you know, some of the things that I, I advise people to do um, have come out from that. But we, I made it through. I ended up having, you know, use a lot of green sand and a lot of clippings and kind of hit it and never really made that mistake again. Uh, I was scared that I was going to lose my job because it was, you know, it was, it was in the newspaper, how bad the place looked, you know, rarely did you see anything on TV, any highlights because it looked so bad. I mean, it was, it was really embarrassing. Uh, but again, I learned a lot from it. Uh, we got through it, never made the same mistake again. Uh, but that was really, really one of my low points. Um, and I tell you what, as far as the high points I've had, man, I've been so fortunate to do some things in this industry with some of these, some great people. Um, I want to say the Braves and the Marlins played an exhibition game at Fort Bragg, uh, July 3rd. I think it was 15 or 16, 2015 or 16. Uh, I got to go with um, Murray Cook and that and that, that group over there uh, four or five days prior and helped kind of dial the field in. You know, I was with the I was with the with the AAA club at that point in time. Uh, Snit was the Snit was the skipper of the big league. He'd just been the uh, just was just the skipper of the big league club at that point in time. Uh, Marty Reed, the pitching coach, was the bullpen coach at that time. So, you know, and then, of course, the, the players that were there knew a bunch of those guys. But I got to, you know, Jake, Jake Holloway, he was in my in my wedding. You know, he and I are, are as thick as thieves. Um, I've known him since 1997. Jake was there. So being able to do that with one of your best friends in the world. Scott Strickland was there. You know, he, he provided a lot of uh, a lot of you know, comedy and all that. And Scott's a really good guy in uh, and, and Murray, you know, and Murray just being, being Murray and getting the whole thing set up so that we could go there. It was probably the hottest, the hottest couple of days I've spent anywhere in history. Um, but to see the culmination of all that work for them to turn basically that, that just barren land into a functional stadium uh, was incredible. And then they had 10,000 troops in there, the flyby, I mean, the, the patriotism that was shown, the flyby by all the helicopters that were there from the, for the 82nd Airborne was incredible. The national anthem, I still, I, I've got it on my phone. Uh, I still get goosebumps from the national anthem. So being a, being a small little piece of that game was probably one of the biggest career highlights I've ever had. Oh yeah. That, I can't imagine what it was like being there. It was unbelievable. Yeah, that. Yeah, I'm a Braves. I'm a, I'm a Braves. Uh, I wouldn't say a fanatic. I'm a freak. Um, <laughs> uh, um, so I can totally see how that was. You know, that that's, you know, in my eyes, that's that's an awesome experience. Yeah, and and I, you know, and, and for me, one of the one of the other neat things about that is I, and I had no idea he was going to be there, but my my old college coach Mike Gasky, uh, who does a lot with with uh, he's he he retired from UNC Greensboro at that point in time. 
uh, but he's with USA Baseball, and he and his wife were at the game. I had no idea they were going to be there. He had no idea I was going to be there. And, you know, getting to see him and kind of share that with him was also just another really, really cool experience. And the game started, I watched two innings, got in the car, went back to Gwinnett, and we played it. We played July 4th at 7 o'clock that night. So uh, that was uh, that was that was one that was one heck of a run. And I think we played I think that was like a Friday. We played Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And by Sunday, Sunday night, man, I couldn't walk. <laughs> but it was, again, one of the and I've got a couple of mementos here in, the, in my office from it. And it was just just an incredible, incredible experience. It really was. Yeah, that's that's very awesome. Um, now, were you now correct me if I'm wrong. Triple A for the Braves organization used to be in Richmond, correct? Yes, it was in Richmond. Yeah. Okay. So, so, how how soon when they moved to Gwinnett? You know, give me the time frame on when you went to Gwinnett, Gwinnett, and when they went to Gwinnett. Was that somewhere around the same time? Yeah, two years. Two okay. years. They um, Precision Turf built the field. I want to say in two thousand and ten. So they played to 2000, their first season was 2010. So 2010 and 2011. And then I got there in October of 2011. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'll give you another high point. My first event uh, was the exhibition game between the big league guys and all the minor, basically all the minor league all-stars for the Braves. So Dan Ugly Ugly hit a ball in that game that still hadn't landed yet, but (laughs) To be able to be able to sit on the bench with Bobby Cox and rub elbows with him was 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 a pretty sweet deal. It was a pretty pretty neat gig. Oh yeah. So so that was my that was my first event in Gwinnett. First <laughs> real event. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, when it thinking back to baseball and to your let's say to now, and we'll we'll say not COVID. So I got this is going to be a two part question. Yeah. Current position challenges, and in the in the part of the industry that you're in now and what you do now, what are the current position challenges that you see that most people have that, that they ask you about? And then what were some of your big, what was one of your biggest challenges when you were in baseball? So now, you know, obviously we're uh, working for a company where we're sales driven. So we're numbers driven. And, you know, now people have been on furlough. Staffs have gotten reduced. Budgets have gotten cut. Equipment deals have gotten have, have shrunk. You know, programming with 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 our products uh, have have has shrunk. Capital improvements may not exist for a couple of years. That's a very 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 big challenge in our in in my position now. Uh, but what you know, my my point to everybody is that uh, look we're still with you. You know, we're, we're anything we can do to help you. If we need to set something up for you with somebody to try to help you through some of these tough times, we can try to do that. You know, if we can just be a sounding board, if we can, if I can offer advice, if, you know, if, if I can come in and talk turf just to get your mind off of the, off of the kind of the, the struggles that you're going with now you're going through now, or just, just listen. Um, You know, that's, that's what we're trying to do. Um, so pre-COVID, what were some of the position challenges that you saw, you know, in the industry, in the part of the industry that you're in now, 
Uh, I, I assume part of it's still budget because everybody's trying to, you know, I assume that'd be part of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that that's a big deal. You know, competition is another deal. Competition in the market is always a big deal. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, shipping, <laughs> you know, this yeah. is so far out of my wheelhouse. I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm supposed to talk about it or not, but shipping has always been a big deal. Getting goods and goods delivered on time to, to the, to the, to the right place oh, yeah. uh, is, 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 is a tough thing. Um, you know, trying to make sure that people are educated on uh, certain, you know, certain products is, is another deal because and 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 it's not me to come in and try to reinvent your wheel if you're using something that you know even if it's our competitor's product that that you're happy with and that's done a great job for you i i mean you know unless i unless i can show you how it's going to change your life you know can i really you know I, i'm not i'm not going to try to reinvent your wheel you know right. if you're having success I try, I try to treat people the way that I wanted to be treated when I was, when I was an end user now, still to this day, you know, I, I don't, I don't do the dreaded show up, pop in. I try to call and say, Hey, you're going to be around. I'm, I'm going to be through town, things like that. Um, and I think another thing too is, is as, as people go through these, these budget cuts and staff cuts and things like that, getting time with people is going to be another constraint. You know, do you have time with, for me? And I know that there are certain times of the year that, that you, there's certain people that you can go see during certain periods of times of the year, certain period of time of the year. It's not a good, uh, it's not good to go see them. You know, like right now, it's not the best time to go down to spring training and make a, make a, make a six five or six day spring training run to see all the field managers at the spring training sites. Especially if it's not scheduled. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So I used to have, I used to have two big placards on my, one on my, one on my, my entry gate to my shop area and one on my office by appointment only. And I had my phone number. And if you didn't make an appointment, I, I wouldn't, I, my time's precious. And so is yours. I understand that yours is precious too, but unless we have an appointment, I just, I can't, I can't make it happen. That's right. You know? um, back at baseball, what were some of your, what was one of your top, challenges you know in the all the in all the places that you work when you were in baseball what, what well, you do so what what i like to refer to um you know the, the, the we were event heavy we were really 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 event heavy i think the 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 worst year that we had in myrtle beach as far as events is we knocked down like 280 or 290 baseball games events Ooh. Yeah. So, um, you know, finding the time between those events to do your, do your, your daily, your weekly and your month, your monthly baseball maintenance, you really, really had to be, your schedule had to be right on the money. You couldn't, you know, you, you, you could, you really, you didn't have a chance to derive from your schedule at all. So that was really, really tough. Um, of course, concerts, minor league baseball parks are not made for concerts. They're not <laughs> concert venues. Right. They're just not. Mm -hmm. The entrance, entrance, you know, entrance and egress for a semi that brings a stage out in the outfield is not easy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> um, you know, 
the pipe dream is, well, we can make, you know, we can make this much amount of money off of this show. You know, well, you, you got to understand, you better have 25,000 people in the house to do that. And, you know, some of these, some of these dudes don't bring in that kind of, that kind of attendance. So there's all, you know, there was, there was a, we had several concerts, concerts. We had Montgomery Gentry, we had Trent Thomason, we had Willie Nelson, and we had Bob Dylan, and we had, you know, we had, uh, uh, oh God. Anyway, I, I, you know, we, we had, we had one a year, one or two good ones a year and oh, 38 special and Molly Hatchet during bike week in Myrtle beach one year. I mean, look, man, those, those, those dudes were old when I was young, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, things like that. And then, uh, you know, of course, I think every field, every, every minor league or, or professional baseball field manager is going to tell you about weather, uh, you know, and especially living at the coast, our weather was just about as, you know, out, I was a mile, a mile, like a mile and 1.2 miles from the beach, you know, and then we had the, then we had the waterway, which was another mile from us. So between the waterway and then the, and then the, the ocean doing weird things, weather, weather was a, was a real big challenge too, but being, being the, 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 no, just the sheer number of events that we did every year in Myrtle beach. I mean, we went, we went through a stretch one year where we had the regionals, the regionals homestand, the super regionals a homestand, and then the Carolina League, California League all-star game. And then a homestand right back on top of that. So they're like 30, 31 or 32 straight days, mm. you know, in, in June, in early from June, from June one to July 4th. So that's, that's, that's a pretty full load. Then that, you know, there, there are lots of cases of why I'm, why I'm probably not in it anymore. You know, we just got, we got maxed out. Yeah. Um, thinking back again to your baseball days, um, what do you feel like was the most important cultural practice that you, one of the most important things like that that you found useful that was always your go-to? Well, and, and I'm, we're not going to talk about verticutting before the game. No, we're not. We're definitely not going to talk about verticutting. Um, <laughs> anybody that knows me and knows kind of my my sister, I, I, my, mine's gonna be twofold, and I've listened to a couple of your get your other guests uh, on talk about airification. Mm-hmm. Anybody that knows me knows that I am just an, an airification junkie. Um, you know, I, I think it is so important to get that get that air exchange to help you know to, to help develop your plant. Um, I just you know the 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 foot traffic that goes on on a day-to-day basis on a baseball field, kind of in the, in the robot areas, if you will, you know, your walk-ups, your foul lines, but you know, your, your back arc. Um, I think, I think airification is so, so important. You know, we would vary our time sizes. We would vary our time styles. We would vary our depths. And I got into doing a lot of top dressing and then, beating the top dressing sand in with a solid tine air, you know, with solid tines. And, uh, I, both places I went, we had, we had real big, um, real big organic issues. And, uh, you know, I read an article a long, long time ago that dilution, dilution is the solution. So we used to, we used to pound sand in on a regular basis. And the beautiful thing about that is that we could, we could, you know, do a real light top dressing, run some bayonets over the top of that top dressing, brush it and mow it and you wouldn't even know that we we had done anything uh twofold i think 
you know, I don't know. I, some people say it's a cultural practice. Some people don't. Um, I think keeping your reels sharp and, and your reels adjusted oh, yeah. are so, so important. We used to spend a ton of time on that. And I, and we used to play with it, our morning heights quite a bit. So I think that that, that is a, that is a big, big, big deal. Yeah. The mowing heights, we've never really had to do much, you know, but we have a hundred, you know, over a hundred acres, you know, of playing surface, but, you know, I know, I know for sure, you know, people that, you know, when they're, when they're grooming that, that, you know, that one area, you know, no matter, no matter the size, and there's that many eyes on it. I've heard a lot of guys talking about doing, you know, varying mowing heights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we would, that's, that's how I, you know, obviously I'd never verticut ryegrass out again. So that's how we would, we would really take out our, our rye population. You know, my, my philosophy on overseeding was very, very light rates, you know, three, three and a half pounds per thousand, very, very late. Uh, did it in Myrtle beach and in Gwinnett, um, uh, would, would, would go the first week of November all the way to thank the week before Thanksgiving. One of when we'd put our seed out, we had blankets that we would use if we needed, uh, but as soon as we had that first homestand over, we would take everything down to 325, put holes in it when they were gone for that first week. And that's how we started the process, just by continually lowering that height and getting that, letting that Bermuda kind of get, get active and get in the air and get in the heat. And, you know, sand does magical things too. So when you introduce sand to the Bermuda, it, you know, it, it just, it, once those soil temperatures get, it starts to motor. So um, that was one thing that we always did. Yeah, that uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of avocation myself. You probably heard on some other podcasts. We have a a Terra Spike Wiedemann, uh deep time. Uh, it's that it's the '84. It's the big one. Um, one of my favorite pieces of equipment. Uh, it does amazing work. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, we have four fields that we just put. You know, they were built on some bad. Yeah, there was just some bad soil used. Um. And so Nolan came in and put in a drainage system on all four fields. Uh -huh. So uh, that's been very helpful. But yeah, I, I imagine you take that weedman over some some old native soil, Eastern North Carolina soil, about rattle your feelings on it. It will. It will. And <laughs> luckily, it's it's easy to to adjust the height on it, you know, and kind of as you go and the. The efficiency of that machine, even at higher speeds, is just amazing what it'll do. Um, yeah. Of course, your spacing is larger then, but just so you're able to put some holes down, you know, you can do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you guys have so much land out there, and, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at a, at a one-field baseball guy, you know, for most – for the bulk of his career, and I had, you know, 100,000 square feet, you know, at the, at the, high, at the high end. And, you know, we – I had, I had two walk behind units, so we used to walk it all. Um, mm -hmm. We would we would deep time it maybe twice a year. I had I had a, a golf course in Myrtle Beach. I used to borrow a, a deep time machine from that had another one in um, uh, in Gwinnett that we used to we used to borrow, and uh, I do it I do that twice a year. And then you know some people may call it overkill, but we were we were in the fifteen to twenty range every year, wow. uh, poking holes and. Um, you know, that's, that's when I started, when I first kind of got in, involved in Twitter, that was, that was kind of my, my, my post is that here we go, poking holes again, poking holes again, you know, and that was, I loved it. You know, I, I thought it was as cathartic as mowing, um, just a, a good walk and get the, 
get the get the two dogs out there, get the labs out there with me, and let them run around and poke some holes and tune up the Frank Sinatra on a Sunday and rock and roll. That's right. Yeah, I'm the same way. I love air pine. Um, thinking back to your baseball days, talk about workplace efficiency, saving money, whatever, however you want to, you know, you want to take it. Something that stands out in your career that you did, or maybe you started the process in that made you or your team more efficient or safe? Well, I don't know if it was by happenstance or by fault, but we, uh, I, I never had a full-time assistant. We, at, at both places, it was always seasonal. And um, I think that, you know, the, the results that we put out on a, on a year-to-year basis showed that it, it could be done. Now, I'm not an advocate for that because I think that my, probably my life and my career would have been a little different if I would have had full-time help um but you know i i and i may be getting off subject here but i i really took pride in not necessarily grooming uh my assistants for the next level or their next gig but really really giving them an opportunity to learn uh you know kind of look man this is how i learned here are the keys i'm out i'm gone you're gonna make a mistake you know we're, we're gonna fix it if you do but here are the keys and I think that I, the later, the later years when I was in Gwinnett, I would, man, I would, I would take off after the sixth inning and, um, you know, that the, the administrations that I worked for had the faith in my number two, just as much as they had faith in me that I could, I could leave, I could leave, leave the ballpark and, and they'd be, they'd be in good hands. You know, now there were obviously special cases if we ever had weather issues or things like that, but you know, later and later I got in my career, um, I, I learned to take a lot of value in, in what they, what they did. And I put them to the test. And I think that's, that's how I learned. So that's, that's how I felt that they could learn. Um, and I, I was super, super fortunate, Chris, to have, have some of the guys work for me that, that worked for me. And I don't think they work for me. I think they work with me and I've still got quite a few that are still in the industry and, and really, proud to call them industry partners and, and, and friends more. So I am to call them old assistants. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting philosophy. I, that's, that's really awesome to hear because no matter what, um, first of all, as a turf manager, it is hard to sometimes, you know, I'm i I'm going to admit it myself. It's hard sometimes to relinquish control of certain things. Um, it is because that's our, that's our baby. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's the pride, you know, that's, that's just us being human. So that's very difficult. So, you know, to hear that is amazing. And also a lot of people just need the opportunity and the responsibility, the chance to say, I can do it. You don't have to stand here. I can do it. Go take, take the day off, relax, you know, go ahead, go home to your family. Um, I think a lot of people, um, you know, some people are very proficient. Some people are very lost in that situation. And some people don't do as well in that situation. But on, in the grand scheme of things, it's a great learning experience either way for you as well for the other individual. Oh, yeah. Well, like, you know, I, 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 when I was 16 years old, I received a, I, my, my first car was in a Suzu Trooper, a five-speed. I had no idea how to drive a five-speed. My dad got in it. We drove around the block, said, this is how you do it, threw me the keys and said, see you later. You know, so it's kind of like, 
I, you learn it all on your own. And I kind of equate that the same way with doing what we do with, with an assistant. After you've got the, after you've got the basics, you know, you, you need to, you need to learn some of this on your own. And the only, the only way you're going to learn is through the school of hard knocks. And, you know, I, Believe me, more than more than the verticutting story earlier, I failed miserably on several things, but that's just one that really sticks out in my mind. But like Mel Lanford used to do for me, you know, he'd throw me the keys on a Friday and say, have at it, big boy. You know, I can't tell you how many times I put diesel in, a, you know, diesel in a gas 1200. Um, <laughs> you know, I've done that many times and how many times I put hydraulic or put gas in hydraulic fluid and, you know, just li little things like that, that, you know, um, you know, you, you just, you, 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 death by fire, if you will. And I think that's, um, you know, uh, putting out a, putting out a, uh, a homogenous fertilizer and, and then putting out gypsum right on top of it and having footprints all over your field, you know, mm -hmm. things like that, you know, just little things like that. Uh, so anyway, um, I, I just think that that's, uh, that's one thing that I really, that I really, really have prided myself on when it comes to those, those guys, those younger guys that have worked with me in the, in, in my time in, in, in the game. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. That's, I had a I actually recorded with Nick McKenna yesterday. That'll be coming out. It's coming up week. Uh, he's also at Texas A and M. He's the current STMA regional president, mm -hmm. and he shared some things on a similar of what you just said about things like that with his, uh, you know, with his uh, assistants and the guys that work for him. It's it's really cool to see, you know, you know, because you know everybody knows, you know. A lot of us guys are very, uh, you know, we're very on edge sometimes when it comes to our fields or our facilities. And it's nice to hear that some of this, you know, I think a lot, you know, even like even yours was before COVID, but I think during during the pandemic from 2020, a lot of people have just realized that, you know what, it's going to be all right. Yeah. I, it's going to be okay. We, we can get it done. Sure. So Yeah. I, Yes, it's great to hear stories like that. Well, what about uh continuing education? I mean, how, your importance of that, and what kind of things do you stress for, for, let's say guys in the turf industry to stay informed on? And well, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, I, I don't have a I don't have a turf uh, a turf degree, uh, and and I would say that you know now after you know twenty plus years in it, I've got a I've got a, a pretty good handle on it. Um, but I again, like I said earlier, I always try to surround myself with people smarter, smarter than me. Um, but you know, it, 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 it's funny and all, but it, it just, it, it, it's such a big resource. I think that's, that's part of the continuing education, you know, the, the, the golf course superintendents, um, you know, reading, reading any of these publications that, uh, that these universities put out and, you know, these, these trade magazines and things like that, um, you know, being, being, especially being involved in your, your local chapter of STMA, you know, the national chapter of the STMA, you know, gloss through the website every once in a while, open that email that, you know, that, that we get every month or a couple of times a month, you know, when the president sends out a message, read it, you know, just things like that, you know, and, and attend some of these, these virtual things now that, you know, that, that a lot of the companies are putting out, you know, you don't have to go, you don't have to do them all, but, you know, take, take and hell, most of them are recorded now. So, you know, if you're, you're at home and the family's asleep or whatever, and you're bored, you know, just kind of check that out. Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, I think that, that we have such a great, 
a great resource with our with our state association, with our national association. And you know, again, you and I were talking before this that I don't think I think everybody wants everybody to succeed. I don't think there's there's a lot of people in this industry that that are that are against what you're trying to do. Um, I, I'm very very passionate about being involved in in the sports turf industry. Um, I it has done so many great things for me, um, and. I, Look, I've gotten the, I've gotten, I've gotten so much out of networking uh, at at these events, um, you know, it, in Myrtle Beach. I mean, it, look, I think I think everybody was just bummed as all get out that we couldn't get together in November. Uh, I'll that, you on that. That's, that's an awesome conference. That's one thing that we all look forward to every single year, and it's and you know, with the educational pieces and then with the with the networking pieces. I mean. You know, most of the conversations about well, what did you do during? You know, what did you, what you, when did you get your Ronstar out, or when did you, you know, when did you, uh, you know, when did you, when did you start using this fertilizer, or you know, what's your liquid program, or you know, man, we had we had mole crickets really bad this year. What'd y'all do, or you know, things like that. You know, that's that that's so important, and and this this group in the Carolinas and even nationally, you know, we all share it. We. I think we're all open books and I think that's, that's a great thing. You know, most, most everybody returns an email, returns a phone call or returns a text message. Um, just, I think we, we want it. We want each other to succeed. Uh, you know, we're all in it for the safety and the, uh, you know, the safety of the athletes and the playability of the fields. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're starting to wrap up these turf questions, ultimate career goal. Have you achieved it or did you want to achieve Ooh, man, I don't know. That's tough. That's tough. I mean, you know, I, like I said, I've, I've been fortunate to, 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 to have some really, really neat events that, you know, I've helped put on and that I, that we've hosted at the facilities that I've worked at. And, you know, now I'm on a little different side of the side of the business. And, you know, I can't say that all the, all the goals that I've ever set have come to fruition. Um, but, I think it's probably just to just to stay relevant in the industry and be a be a be as good of a resource uh, in the industry to anybody that calls or or texts or whatever. Um, you know, I'm 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 an open book. I I love to talk chop with anybody about anything. Um, you know, if it's if it's my warning tracks not packing to you know I'm cutting at this height and I'm thinking about going to this height. You got any thoughts on it? I mean. You know, just just being still being kind of a you know an outside voice and and um, still being relevant in, in the industry on a you know in, in some way, shape, or form to to help other people. You know, that's that's kind of why I've gotten the sales end of it is to share my knowledge with everybody else. You know, right. um, so I, I don't know that there is an ultimate end game goal, and and I guess now you know now my ultimate goal is to be a good husband and to be a good father. You know, I've got a, I've got a 15 week old son and, and uh, this is all new to me. I'm 44 years old and I'm going to be the oldest dad in kindergarten pretty soon. So, yeah. um, you know, and uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's, that's it, man. Yeah. Um, turf story, funny, crazy turf story. Oh man. Something wild, you know, like a quick coupler blown by like a pitcher's man, that kind of story. Well, something we like did. that. So I've got, I've got, I've got two really good ones. All right, um, good. I've got, uh, I've got a black lab now. Her name's Rosie mm -hmm. and she was a puppy. 
and I think I think Tom Burns uh, was was actually in town visiting me that 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 day. We had a big rain delay, and um, my shop was off down the first baseline, way off the field. Had a big long tunnel, and you know, typically during a rain delay you know, we're kind of out waiting for the umpires to tell us what to do, or I'm running around going from the clubhouse to clubhouse to quell the managers or whatever. And, and, you know, Rosie, the guys usually let Rosie out so she can, you know, she can take a leak or whatever. And, and uh, anyway, she got on and we had, we had a really, we had a really, really good crowd in Gwinnett and Gwinnett's not known for crowds. And this night we actually had a really good crowd and it's just kind of, it's just kind of spit rain. So everybody's kind of moving about people are coming back down to their seats and all that. And, Rosie ends up just hauling ass out of the, out of the tunnel and running right out into center field, <laughs> dropping trowel. She, she, she takes a poop right in the middle of center field and gets a standing ovation. <laughs> that's great. So that's, 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 that's a real good one. And then we had, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Rosie got a standing ovation that night and um, you know, Hogan did Hogan, my yellow lab when I was in Myrtle Beach did something something similar, not not as bad, but something similar. Um, but we had in Myrtle Beach, there was a big block of woods that was behind behind the, the stadium. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of feral cats oh, oh, that that oh, tended yeah. to uh, rummage through the trash and you know get in get into the concession stands, things like that. And we had we had a cat get on the field one night in like the sixth or seventh inning, and we could not corral this cat, man. I mean, we tried everything from a net to just trying to chase it with a gator. I mean, I, and I think I think the video's on YouTube still somewhere. Mm -hmm. But we ended up we ended up there were three or four of us that got towels and ended up throwing a towel on, and it was this kitten. I mean, literally like you know six eight inches long, mean as a snake. Chase, chase one of the uh, outfielders from Lynchburg, started hissing at it, you know, the whole nine yards. So we're, we delay the game for about 15 minutes and end up finally wrangling this daggone cat, throw a towel over it. And uh, uh, my, my assistant then, Corey, threw the towel over it, picked the cat up. He's running off the field and the towel starts slipping off of him and the cat bites him. So, I mean, the crowd, the crowd's going nuts. Everybody's laughing. It was on uh, – it was on the sports. We made Sports Center not top ten, I think, with it. <laughs> so, so those, those are two pretty good ones. Yeah, that's and, uh, all revolving around animals. Yeah, that's that's good. I have a yellow lab named Roxy. Uh, so, yeah, uh, she has done some interesting things to me as well. Not in not in the same setting, but she has a. Uh, she never fails to, you know, steal the crowd for sure. I'll tell you what, man, they never have a bad day. Yeah, and I never have a bad day as long as they're here. That's yeah, true. you're absolutely right. Uh, that's gonna be a tough day for me. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, I had to. Hogan was with me for twelve years, and that that uh, yeah, it was it was tough, man. Mine but, turns hey, mine turns ten on the twenty second of this month. So. Yeah, but everybody, you know, everybody was more excited to come and see the dogs than they were to come see me. I can tell you. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Got our legs crossed, ready to go. Oh yeah, yeah. Hogan used to lay like that all the time with his front paws crossed. Yep, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, here's some uh, non-turf questions. Favorite quote or phrase? Oh man. Um, 
probably, and then I think everybody's probably heard this one. Our, our, uh, we had a pitching coach in Myrtle Beach that was our pitching coach forever and ever and ever, Bruce Del Canton. He pitched with the Pirates, he pitched with Pittsburgh, and, and, uh, he was pitching coach for the Braves. And he, um, just one of those guys that, you know, very philosophical and, and, and really had molded some incredible arms. Uh, so D, DC always had this quote, uh, and, and I hope I don't butcher it. It's, um, what is it? Hang on. I think I got it in here. Something about, something to the fact that, uh, like, today's over, tomorrow's a mystery, yesterday's history, or today, tomorrow's a gift. You, you threw me on the spot, man, with that one. So, yesterday's a mystery, today's history. Yesterday, yesterday's history. Tomorrow is a mystery and today is a gift. Okay. Yeah. Those are the three points. And that it's, it's really true. And I just, you know, that, that DC always said that. And DC was just one of the, one of the greatest, greatest guys in the game that I ever met. And, you know, I, I should probably write it down and hang it up in my office, but that's still one of my, that's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, if you're having a final meal, what would it be? Huh. I'm sure everybody that you've interviewed has probably said barbecue, right? I've had I've had a couple barbecues, but I think I might know where yours is going here. Man, I tell you what, raised raised where I'm raised, it would have to be the biggest, baddest platter of fried seafood. Yeah. From Soft where? Goes. From where? Well, I don't know, man. I probably from my own kitchen, but yeah. Um, you know, we got so many good places around here, but oh, I just like a big plate of soft shell crabs, oh, fried man. shrimp, fried scallops, and probably, probably a couple of big pieces of fried wahoo. Yeah, that'd be nice. That's uh, man. That's you know, with a little bit of slaw. Um, now barbecue would be a really, really close second, really oh, close second. But some of those gifts from the sea, man, you can't beat that. Yeah, you can't beat it. If you wake up tomorrow and you've won the lottery, what's the first thing you do? What's your first non-essential purchase? Probably there's two things I would do. I would probably donate a, uh, a slew of money to Greenville Little League. That place holds a special place in my heart. And I would have them – I'd have them pave the existing playing service that they have right now. And put in, I mean, money would not be an option. Whatever they want, dime it out with the best fleet of equipment they've ever seen and, and pay somebody, hell, it might be me, but pay somebody full time just to go in there and keep that place dimed out. So that would be one. The, uh, the other one would probably, would probably either go to, uh, I'd probably go to Beaufort and go to Parker or Jones Brothers or Jarrett Bay. Mm-hmm. And have them build me about a 22 foot skiff like you've never seen before in your life. Exactly like you wanted it. Yeah. Well, I own a 22 foot Seahawk, and okay. uh, I'm a Carolina built boat for sure. Mine yep. comes out of Bailey, so I have a 22 V bottom Seahawk, and it uh, it's I always wanted a Seahawk. When I was finally able to buy one, I bought one. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, we we've got I've got a uh, I've got a seven I've got a 17 custom coastal skiff mm -hmm. so we just they just put a new uh 
the GPS in it last weekend and, and, uh, I can shoot ducks out of it and I can fish out of it. And you know, that's, that's heaven, man. That is heaven. Yep. To me. yep. Get down there to lowland down there, Pamela oh, yeah. County, catch yeah. the redfish and kill some ducks for sure. Hey, I'm telling you what, we're supposed to, it's supposed to be 80 on Friday. Oh, it is calling my name hard, hard, hard Friday, Friday. I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it, but I am, man, I tell you what, I'm ready. Yes. Yeah, getting that time, man. Me too um last thing what's some words of wisdom for some young and upcoming turf professionals well i tell you what that you know don't be a, first and foremost i made the mistake i've got red hair i've got fair skin i preach this to everybody i know that a lot of people that know me know this he's getting ready to sound like my mama folks here take, it comes take care of your skin yep Take care of your skin. I've, I've, I've been through it. I've got, in fact, I got another, I got another, I call it a cut appointment. I got another cut appointment at the end of the month. I've had places taken off of my face and my back and my arms and my legs and, and my head. It's painless to go and get seen. We all spend a lot of time in the sun. None of us wear enough sunscreen. You know, I think people, you know, we give, we give away big hats. Companies give away big hats. You know, mm-hmm. take care of your skin. Do do that, if nothing else. The other thing, somebody that's getting into the industry or has not been in it very long, don't be afraid to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to stay. I'll stay and help you. Mm-hmm. I'll stay and help. I'll be glad to learn how to run that piece of equipment. I want to help you airify. I want to, you know, I want to learn how to, I want to learn how you top dress. I want to run the top dresser. Run, run that equipment. Make yourself familiar with everything in the, in the maintenance shop, you know, your boss will take the time to explain it to you and he'll more than likely he'll take the time to let you, let you run it, run that, run those pieces of equipment, ask the questions. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's how you learn. Again, I don't have a formal education in this, in this turf grass business. If I wouldn't open my mouth, I wouldn't be where I am today. So take, take the time, check those things out. You know, look, driving that equipment's neat. You know, I mean, Learn how to operate a backhoe. Learn how to operate a skid steer. Learn how to operate an air fire. Learn how to drive an old manual tractor. I mean, you know, stuff like that's invaluable. And hell, learn learn how to learn how to drive a manual, you know, uh, utility vehicle. A lot of people still don't know how to drive a, five, a four or five speed. Mm-hmm. When your boss isn't there, take it out in the parking lot. Take it out in the parking lot. Learn how to do it. You know, you're not going to burn the clutch up. Just learn how to do it. You know, it's mm-hmm. really really simple. So and that what that does is make yourself valuable going in, going in the next week or going into your next gig. So learn, you know, jump on that stuff. Learn learn how to learn how to use it. Learn what it's used for. That's right. I can agree with that. Uh, I'm very I'm a very mechanical person. Um, I brought that to our team. My turf experience. I mean, my turf knowledge was okay, but I've really molded that with where I am now. But what I brought to the table was an extensive amount of mechanical ability. My dad and I built race cars, um, drag cars, not circle track. Um, You know, my grandpa, he is the most conservative, tightest person that's ever lived on the earth. So growing up, when he bought a piece of equipment, I had to work on it to be able to use it. So uh, I learned a lot in that aspect as well. And then when I was in high school, I worked at a local car garage and I got out at lunch every day after I had my license and they were a friend of the family. I needed a job in high school and I ended up, I, I stopped by there every day on my way home for work. I stopped by there today. I mean, they're like my family, but um, yeah. it was, 
it was definitely skills that that's probably one of my biggest things just having the knowledge to know your way around a piece of equipment like knowing what where you put air into a tire i understand that that, that's something that people don't get taught anymore they don't know what the valve stem is on a tire and on a wheel you know to put air in a tire and yeah those things you know (laughs) things as simple as that you know make my life easier oh yeah well and you know back back to continuing education look i I don't know what a what a a class that you know we have picked community college here in town i don't know what a, a small engine class would cost Mm-hmm. you know, for a semester or a welding class, right? You know, things like that, that, you know, that, that aren't really, the hell your the employer may pay for it. You know, you just never know. So little things like that, you know, and don't, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Oh I mean, yeah. That's right. You know, I, I look, I've, I've still got, I've got scars all over my knuckles because, you know, in baseball, you're your own, your own mechanic, your yep. irrigation tech, your own spray tech, your own, you know, your own, agronomist the whole nine yards so absolutely man a mechanic i'm doing things mechanically is worth its weight yeah our other uh assistant uh with us uh, his name is matt cox he was in the golf industry he was at the golf course at seymour johnson three eagles um he's can't he came to work with us but we uh you know him and i both we we're we're very serious about you know equipment and just there's little things you can do to just make your life easier uh you know where you don't have to you know where things don't end up happening you know we do we teach and we hire students so we teach our students you know a walk around of equipment you know if you walk around that piece of equipment and there's a puddle of something underneath the underneath of it please call somebody call, don't pull it out if the tire's sitting on the check it something as simple as checking to see if the tires are flat yeah. Once you drive it out into the parking lot out of the shop on the rim and it cuts the wit and cuts the tire, it's over with. That's yeah. It cost me 60, 70 bucks right there. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, no question. No doubt. It's just things as simple as preventative maintenance, you know. And like you said, learning your equipment, learning things. That, yep. That's a great tools to have. No doubt. Well, it's been fun. Uh, I'm appreciate it. We're gonna get together, do some fishing. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 all about it. I'm all yeah. about it. And, uh, shoot me your, uh, shoot me your phone number. Yeah, we'll do. We'll get together. I mean, hell, I guess I could come over there and see you too. I'm only, you know, a couple miles from you guys at, at, at the complex. So yeah, maybe I'll come out and we'll go to, we'll go to Lee's country kitchen and then, uh, crush some pork chops on a Tuesday. That's right. That'd be great. So, man, I appreciate you having me. I really do. Yeah, man. I appreciate you being on here. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy that little one. Enjoy your day. Yep. We'll do. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, that's it for today's episode. Again, I'm your host, Chris Toppings, with the Dirt on Turf podcast. And before we leave you, let me remind you about netting professionals. It doesn't matter what kind of netting you need, whether it's for a batting cage, a dugout, driving range, backstops, check out netting professionals. Go to their website, www.nettingpros.com or follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. You don't want to miss out with these people. Give them a call. Let them give you a price. They'll take care of you. Until next week, I'm Chris Toppings. We'll see you then.